Welcome to another edition of Jumping Around, a steeplechase podcast from thisishorseracing.com. I'm your host, Joe Clancy, and today's guest is jump jockey Michael Mitchell. He's off to one of the fastest starts by an American jump jockey in, well, a while anyway. He's made the first few months of the 2019 National Steeplechase Association season his personal playground. Mitchell has 15 wins, six more than his nearest rival, while riding first call for leading trainer Jack Fisher's deep stable. The triumphs have come aboard the likes of Temple Guathme winner Moscato, while also coming in bunches including triples at Middleburg, Virginia Gold Cup, Radnor, and the two-day meet at Fair Hill. Mitchell learned his early lessons in his native England, but his jockey career truly took off in New Zealand while part of the powerful Graham Rogerson stable. Mitchell won the New Zealand Jockey Championship in 2015 and would love to add an American title to his resume, though he's taking things one ride at a time for now. He sat down for a short talk about his career in our Fairhill office in late May. All right, we're here for another edition of Jumping Around with America's leading steeplechase jockey, Michael Mitchell. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, we got to start with your spring. You won 15 races when you showed up in March. Did you think this was going to happen? Uh, not at all. I had my doubts even the second meeting in Camden when two of Jack's horses won without me on them. I thought we were going to be struggling and we are going to be going up a long hill. <laughs> but things changed around the following meeting in Camden and it kind of took off from there and it just kind of snowballed. So, yeah, very pleased and excited of how the spring's gone. Isn't that the game? I mean, it kind of can go in waves like that where you can't pinpoint a reason why suddenly things start going well? No, and the worst thing is like when you think they're going well, you have a crashing fall and suddenly things change and they go the other direction. So you always got to be a little bit careful. You don't get too big headed and you always got to be um, very humble of how lucky you've been. And thankfully, the spring's gone a lot better than what I expected for my first season yeah. with Jack. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so back up there, how did you end up in Jack's barn? How did that come to be as a first call rider? For uh, you? He rang me and I started working for him just before the new year. I think I started a couple of days after Christmas and I changed the visa over. I was previously working for Ricky Hendricks and changed the visa over and and that was it really it's a five years visa for jack and it's quite nice really it started as soon as the horses started most of them came back on middle of january so i'd been there a few weeks getting to know the system the layout and how we like things organized and then once the horses started jogging and cantering i was there from the word go so it, it really gave me a huge insight into what it took to get the horses from a to b and it's quite a few months before they start racing in aiken and camden so you really see the progression of the horses and how much fitter they get and how you school them and i found it very interesting and it was lovely to be a part of yeah the amount of bottom level fitness or whatever those horses have to have that in the, the miles you put in in January and February would make them good in April and May, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's always interesting to see how each trainer goes about it for what facilities they have. Being up in PA last year, it was a lot of road work. And then you can't really do that when you're fighting all the traffic in, in Maryland. Is, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're doing a lot more through the fields and around his track. I was based down in Camden for a little bit the year before and you've got a lot of flat surface on deep sand-based gallops and getting them fit there. It's ever so interesting because they all end up at the same race yeah. meet and they all, yeah. all seem to run well and it's it's almost a competition on whether it's the ones coming south from up north, whether they have a good start to the spring or whether it's the one that's been based down in Camden for the majority of the winter that have a good start. And it's yeah. always that kind of little bit of no one really knows yeah, and there's never one, there's no 100% right answer either. You know, like on any given meet, a horse from early in the season, a horse from the north will win one on the card, and so will one who's been, been south all south. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it is it is good, and it's it's a little bit of a competition, and it's it's just, just a part of the sport, I suppose. Yeah. 
And rewind a little bit. I mean, you won some nice races. Tripled at Middleburg. Yes. Radnor. Yes. And the Gold Cup, too? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there a favorite? Any of those days would be favorites for anybody, but (laughs) is there a favorite day? Like, which which day jumped out? Middleburg was a good day just because we had the grade two with Moscato, and that was my first ride on uh, Days of Heaven um, in the Steeplethon and then Special Relations in the Neverwind 2. So they were three very good horses, all jumped brilliantly, and I think it was quite a thrilling day, really, to get off the mark in that that sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's a cool place to ride, too, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had a little bit of rain that day, so it was a little bit tricky trying to find the best ground and trying to work out when the time to go was. I remember a couple of years ago watching Paddy, Paddy Young round there, and Paddy always seemed to have a knack of only really start getting going at Middleburg and he'd turn up and have two or three winners yeah, and every year every year yeah. and you watch him how he rode there and the lines he'd take and when he'd make a move and well it, it paid dividends and dividends this yeah, uh, this spring sure. yeah and Moscato just because I, I remember watching him when he was here two years ago running and how quickly he became a good horse he looks like a very nice horse to he ride is. I would think yeah, yeah yeah he's he's kind of an out and out hurdler uh, the way the way he takes offense and very rideable very rateable really kind of enjoyed getting him to settle and and then just waiting until the moment to kind of produce him late but going into the spring he was kind of one that you you could get excited about yeah. looking at his form and how consistent he was being either first or second it's <laughs> yeah do you ride him in the morning too i do like it sounds like everybody rides everybody every right? yeah it's very kind of even no no one kind of spends too long on on one horse i think that's good because then it gives the horse chance to feel other riders and yeah. and it gives you chance because we've got so many jacks it's you got to get through them all yeah for sure so let's back all the way up obviously you're english and yes. uh you know we get a lot of english irish come over here to ride what's your background did you grew up with horses or how did you get into this a little bit uh was more so ponies when i was younger and then i went to school and and really forgot about the horses and enjoyed a lot more different english sports rugby cricket and then towards coming out of school probably 17 or 18 family had an interest but i'm not a trainer's descendant or nothing like that so my uncle had a point to point and went down to ride that one weekend and the horse ran away with me (laughs) so i um i thought i'd come back next weekend and i'd master it and Probably about six months later, I, I still was getting run away with, and I thought it was time to probably go and visit a trainer and see if I <laughs> figure could out how to do yeah, this. figure out how to do it <laughs> properly. And that was really the beginning of it. I stayed with the trainer in England for 18 months and got my amateur license. And, and who was that? Uh, that was George Baker. Oh, was. Okay. He was brilliant. He taught me the basics and just everything about racing, kind of yard duties and taking horses to the races, everything on top of the riding. But then he relocated and I needed more opportunity, I think. So I, I found a job in the in, on the internet to uh, Australia and wow. had about $500 in my pocket and, and moved over there. Wow. Yeah. That, so, and so I didn't really know the people, just found the job on the internet? Yeah, found a job on the internet. I didn't have any contacts. It's so different because in England you can, you can ride three or four horses a day and we'd be riding 15, 20 horses a morning in Australia and oh, wow. New Zealand. So it really was a, a fast track into how to ride a horse and like a variation of horses from breaking them in two-year-olds, yearlings, and up to your older steeplechase horses. Wow. So it was it was a really good learning experience to get, yeah. to get through that many. 
was riding jump races what you did right away or did you ride some flat races too? They have what's called high weight. So I started the job that I took in Australia and the lady there, she said that there's actually more racing in New Zealand. It was probably the worst thing she could have said because I think I got a flight she, flight the next week. She and lost I was, an employee yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I made my way to New Zealand and found a trainer there. He was quite a prolific uh, horse race trainer called uh, Graham Rogerson. He's probably had 5,000 winners wow. and won everything in uh, Australasia. I think he had 160 horses at the time and had, I think, 70, what the English would term like bumper rides. We call them high weights in New Zealand. So they're predominantly for heavier jockeys or for flat horses that are making the transition to jumps. And so I had that kind of start with him and was with him for three or four years. That's who really kind of got me going and got my numbers up and got, got the winners and the yeah, rides. It had to be massive experience. Yeah. I would yeah. Think. yeah. Well, we, we used to have trotters. We call them pacers or trotters mm-hmm. in the, in the carts and we'd average 15, 20 horses in the morning and then he'd get us to drive the trotters and wow. ride the, in the afternoons. <laughs> so yeah, there was a huge learning curve. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. You don't see much crossover like that in America. Yeah, no, yeah. you do yeah. see it in France. Your license basically covers flat jumps and trotting races. Did you ever drive one in a race? Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. It was purely to work them and get... <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't that brave. <laughs> What's there? So he had that many horses. Was he based at a training center or a private yard? Or yeah, how did it, was, it, it was a private yard, but he had... I think at the time he had four stables. So he had, he had two in New Zealand and two in Australia. Wow. So we'd kind of be going back and forth. The first year I was there, I took a team of six horses for the Melbourne Cup Carnival and I was there for about three months and we looked after horses running in the Derby and the Oaks and I think I was 20 or 21 at the time and to be given that kind of responsibility at that age it makes you grow up pretty pretty quick and we had a pretty successful carnival so I was I was delighted to to get that opportunity. The Melbourne Cup, that's on everybody's bucket list to get to someday, right? Yeah. Is it as cool as they say? It is. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it does stop the nation. Everyone's on holiday and everyone starts ringing me for tips. And I'm I, sure. Yeah, it, it's a different experience because you get now it's so international that you, you get a lot of the, the English and the Irish runners and a couple of Japanese horses, a couple of horses coming from Hong Kong. And they're all in this one facility, so you get to meet so many different people, see how the the horses are trained differently. I can remember Willie Mullins bringing a couple over, and the Australians couldn't believe that he was training the horses twice a day. And we always used to train ours in the morning and then swim them in the afternoons, and he'd be getting on them twice a day. And wow. it was it was just just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we talked about with the steeplechase people, everything's a little different. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about getting them fit, each horse fit the way you can. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Their steeplechasing over there is it? Can it be compared to ours? I mean, as far as New Zealand and we'd race in the winter, so there's a lot of rain, so it's a lot deeper ground, and the horses typically run two and a half miles, three miles. And the fences are like natural bamboo. Mm-hmm. So you've got a sighter board, probably two foot, and then you've got another two foot of bamboo. So they're beautiful fences to jump. It's not kind of comparable. It's just, it's different. I'd say the Australian racing would be a lot more similar to American racing in the in the fact that you've got harder ground. I'd almost compare it to the likes of Saratoga or Belmont. You've got a longer run in. You're, you're probably running for 
two, two and a half furlongs. Yeah, the Australian um, looks a little more like racetrack race track. facility yeah. compared to the yeah. compared to the meat type courses. Yeah. yeah, and the meat type courses here would be a little bit similar to New Zealand, in, but the the undulations here are a lot more noticeable. Yeah. In New Zealand, that you'd have a hill, but then you're you're racing on the on the flat in between. It's gotcha. You ended up champion steeplechase jockey in New Zealand. Is that yeah, how it worked that, out? That, yeah. that was 2015. That was a really good year. I think I had 22 winners and won the Grand National at the end of the year. Wow. So that was quite a feather in the cap. I was quite pleased I'd been there. I think that was my third year there. So to, to kind of get that get that under, under yeah, my belt. Yeah, you couldn't have left England thinking this is what I'm going to do, right? No, yeah. no. It was... It all kind of happened without me knowing. Like I was ringing for rides and I had some good people, good horses. And like you say, it snowballed. You start the season thinking, what what if? And once a couple of winners and then a couple more and, and then you start you start expecting it. And so that was that was a really, really good experience. And that kind of raised my profile a bit and helped me onwards. Yeah, I'm sure. Is it a is it a big deal like front page of the newspaper or how do they how do you end yeah, up? Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, New Zealand's very small, sure. so um, <laughs> a, a lot of people by then would know you and they'd know what it meant. Oh, cool. The Grand National was probably the best thing because New Zealand's separated, so you have a North Island and South Island, and the Grand Nationals in the South Island. And the horse I won on was bred and owned in the South Island, so to have have a crowd all supporting you when you come into the last fence and having all the people in the stands cheering it's, oh, wow. it's quite it's quite yeah. nice who yeah. was that what was that horse's name uh, he was called high 40 high the name 40. was yeah yeah very cool yeah the grand, uh, grand national anywhere is a big deal yeah yeah that, that's a very cool way to do it yeah so then uh, so obviously that wasn't that long ago how then to come to america and again i saw there's just, there were a couple seasons where you came over for a ride or two and went back yeah well the first i think the first off season I went to France and spent three months in working in France oh, for the wow. off season. Okay, um, it was all just hungry to learn, really. And so I, I worked for Guillaume Macaire over there in France, and same kind of thing. A big trainer, a lot of horses, completely different style of training. But I figured I could learn how they rode and they trained, and then came back and rode the New Zealand season. And then I had I had someone mention about American racing. And the New Zealand season finished in September, and I thought that I could come over October and November and catch the last two months of American season. So that's when I stayed with um, Paddy and Leslie Young, caught a couple of months, I think I rode in Aiken, Charleston and Camden, and really enjoyed it. It was really good fun and kind of suited my style of riding. So I kind of made the trip out the following year and, and did the same just working working for Paddy and Leslie and then Ricky Hendricks picked me up and said he'd he'd sponsor me for for the year and and then I I made the commitment to to base myself permanently in in America yeah cool no and it's the same kind of like the Australia New Zealand it's worked out I mean you sort of you can see the progression where and again it's you just see success snowball like a guy wins a few races and then you get more rides and then you get on better horses and then you win more races and it just keeps coming you know that which is the way anything should work, I guess. Well, I think I think it helped as well that I'd had those those couple of years where I'd come in for a month and people had seen me and I was working working at the races, leading horses round and meeting the people in the area because it's it's such a, a small community that once one person gets to hear of you or notices you and you start helping them out and so by the time I'd I'd made the commitment in 2017, I'd already made a couple of trips yeah. over here and 
built up some contacts to to help me through. And last year, the getting on some decent horses for well, I guess two years ago, you won races at Saratoga for Ricky, right? Was that it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that was uh, that was with uh, Swansea Mile, right? I think I was quite lucky to get the ride because I I just come back from an injury with a horse at the Queen's Cup and um, had my jaw reconstructed, and um, so it was it was good timing that I I had the injury in the spring and it gave me enough time to heal and then hit the ground running when I came yeah. back for the summer season. I remember when that happened. Did that make you back up and say, man, I don't want to do this? I mean, you had a fall and a, a, another horse's foot yeah. hit you basically? Yeah. Yeah. So the horse stood on my left side of my face and crushed the jaw, the eye socket. So it was wow. complete titanium in there. Man. So, yeah. When you have a fall, you black out and you don't remember it and so it's it's your, your body's way of coping and yeah and so when i wake up I'm, I'm ready to go again but the body's not so it's just getting the body back into shape where you can well yeah what did you do obviously you couldn't ride for a while either well what did you do to try to get back in shape well i did i did a lot of um cryotherapy okay. where they um they freeze you i felt that kind of sped up the the healing process to start with it was a lot of walking luckily I used Ricky's swimming pool and was doing a few laps in there. And once the wires and uh, came off and once they gave me the all clear, then I was back riding and it wasn't long before I was back racing. Just scares the family, right? Mom? Yeah, else. she's had a few incidents I'm before. Sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> she flew out. I had I got kicked in the stomach and she flew out then to look after me for a couple of weeks then. So she's um, she's become accustomed to... <laughs> to play <laughs> helping me out from time to time and you guys just deal with that right i mean is it just something you you check off you know there's some danger there yeah it's it's part of the job i don't dwell on it and i, I try not to think about it i just make sure i've got good medical coverage and <laughs> and that's that's yeah. really um all you can do really yeah yeah no, and we saw it here the other day at Fair Hill when bernie had the fall it's such a community around the game and i love that about you guys you compete like crazy on a race course, right? But yeah. then it seems like everybody's in it together. Yeah, I, and especially here, like everyone's probably coming from England and Ireland. They've had a few a few falls and a few knocks before and they, they know the process of how long it takes to get right. And it's the concern on the weekend when someone's lying there on the ground. Your first thought is, I hope they get up. Like, I hope I hope they're okay. And, and once they're up, it's a sigh of relief and you find out, what's gone wrong with broken collarbone, broken leg, or whether or they're just bruised. And and then it's it's minimizing the time out from getting back on a horse. So I think all the lads in the jockey's room would understand, and they're all very sympathetic, and everyone looks after each other because it's, it's a very dangerous sport to be yeah. involved in. Yeah, and we'll see. Hopefully we'll see Bernie Dalton back on a horse I hope soon. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can give him some broken jaw tips, right? Yeah, Mil- yeah. The best milkshakes yeah. or what? A few, a few recipes, a few <laughs> soup recipes and milkshakes. <laughs> and, and again, just as the, the, the career path in America has sort of led you to this year. I mean, and, and we touched on a few good horses, but I mean, even in a short time you've ridden in America, you got, you got a favorite ride or a favorite horse you've ridden? I don't know if I could say because all the other owners yeah gotta, sure yeah <laughs> no um i have certain horses i look forward to riding and probably the ones that are the best jumpers they're always nice to fly over a few fences and yeah. 
I have kind of favourite novice hurdle or favourite kind of, well, I've only got one tim- timber tim- horse that I've ridden. So I was I, impressed. Yeah. And you're one for one. You, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should just stop. That was yeah. good. <laughs> but um, Michael rode Scudic at Fair Hill and it was the horse's third win of the year and um, looked like you've been doing timber racing all your life. Easy as could be. I don't know. I had my eyes closed for half of it. <laughs> so <laughs> No Maryland Hunt Cup in your future. No, right? not not yet. Maybe <laughs> maybe in a few years. But I think... Yeah, that, what's different about to some, you know, somebody who doesn't, I mean, I've done it a little bit, but to somebody who's never done it, what's the difference, timber hurdle? My style is very kind of flat and hurdle orientated. So I sit very far forward on a horse. I'm, I'm over the wither. So in a timber race, you have to, you have to sit back a little bit. They normally go a little bit slower and make more of a, a shape over a fence. They're not going flat or, or through the fence. They, they have to jump it being, being solid timber and probably the weights as well. The weights are, are, are normally 165 and heavier. Whereas someone who walked around at 140, it's <laughs> that's a lot of lead to be carrying. Yeah. But they're, they're kind of what I've identified as the, the differences. I'm sure some of the, the more seasoned timber jockeys would tell you in detail how you could ride a fence. And But I've only had three rides and that was the first ride I've completed, so I was <laughs> I was very happy. <laughs> and I'm sure Jack Fisher's telling you it's no big deal, just go on with it, right? Yeah, well, yeah. he told me he was going to make a man out of me, so um, that was <laughs> I, I saw him at the Potomac Point to Points before before this weekend, and he asked me how many timber rides I'd had, and I said two. And he said, well, you've got three now, so <laughs> there's no pressure. <laughs> and uh, Scooter did that really well. He's probably a good one. To, to, oh, he to, was brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's... It was a bit unfair, really, putting having a grade one horse to have a spin round on, but he jumps brilliantly, and and Hayden was ever so good. Uh, Hayden Frost, he gave me a, a bit of bit of advice and a few tips, and the horse really did the rest. I I steered him round, and and once the timbered fences were behind me, I I kind of let him go and let him run up the straight. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's having fun at all this too. I would think he was sort of getting outrun over hurdles at, at the level he was at, you know, yeah. after because he'd gotten older, and to see him come back and win three, like he's it's done, nice, kind of yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. So, and I think I think Jack's had the horse since he was uh, three or three four year old. old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's just invested a lot of time in the horse, so it's nice to to see him and still enjoying himself. Yeah. How about race courses? What's uh, everybody here loves Nashville and everything else? Are there some that are easier to ride or harder to ride or more fun to ride? I've had a lot of luck at Saratoga the last couple of years, and they're probably what I'm used to from the Southern Hemisphere. So I tend to enjoy them more. It's been a, a huge difference going to places like Iroquois and Far Hills, where you've got to be a lot more balanced and, and keep the horse underneath you. And I do enjoy Iroquois, and Middleburg's a nice track. I do enjoy them. And I was actually really impressed with Camden this year i thought they'd done a, a brilliant job getting the turf in good condition and i was glad that they had a good day and we were able to put on two meets because yeah. that was that was brilliant for the sport yeah no that was strong really and it, it was great to see kind of see it all come together that hey you, you really could do this you know yeah yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was good for everybody i think what does it take to be a good jump jockey bit of dumb luck i think <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure i don't think there's any one thing that you could pinpoint everyone in the, the jockey's room has a different story and how they got here i think it just takes a bit of tenacity and a bit of bravery and i think maybe a air on the side of um, a little bit of stupidity <laughs> but it's such a, a a thrill that i think all the boys have that they're hooked they know they know what it's what it's like to to win and you get the sense that 
once you have one win, you're waiting for that next next fix and that next win. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, there's this. It's this mix of competitiveness and then the whatever the horse brings to it that makes yeah. you. I got to do this again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I saw you at Fair Hill. At the end of the day, you and Ross Garrity are making plans to play golf. I mean, is there a fair amount of that going on? Everybody's fairly close. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a really good good team at the moment everyone gets on we, we leave everything out on the track so it's very difficult i've never been i've never been in a country where the jockeys come from so far and wide yeah. you, you've got people based in south carolina up to up to pennsylvania and all, all down the east coast so to kind of find a way of hanging out in your spare time it, it tends to be kind of state by state right um, but there's plenty of camaraderie and, yeah. and plenty Growing up in England, you have guys you admired growing up. I mean, were there were there jump jockeys you watched? Yeah, or? there was probably John Frankham was probably my favorite. Um, but now it's I've got such a mix of jockeys internationally yeah. that I I follow and watch. Like there's a French jockey called Bernard Lestrade who I kind of try to emulate on on my style. He rides a lot shorter and it's it's almost like an artist he's very good to watch like he, he just makes it makes it we're um, all gonna be googling him now yeah to find him. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but i and then i watched a lot of flat jockeys as well and i just kind of pick up things from each jockey and and how i like their riding but i'd say john franken was probably the one that i idolized most when i was younger yeah, it's certainly a skill or a job, whatever you want to call it. That's something nobody masters it, right? Even the best guy out there is trying to do better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, and it it's so dependent on the horse you're riding. It's very easy to look good on a good horse, but it's it's when you get the tough ones that that don't do everything right. That's when you have to kind of search and see what knowledge you've got and right. see works, if you can work it out. Work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you're not working in the barn, I'll assume you're working in the barn plenty or riding races. What else are you doing? What's going on? During the season is very fitness based. So like you say, I, I do enjoy playing golf. I do uh, Pilates and hiking and, okay. and things like that. Just still outdoors, but it's just keeping my body in the best shape possible. Which is crucial, right? I mean, yeah. 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 Again, the horse is doing a lot of the work, but the yeah. fitness level of the jockey's got to be and really high. Yeah. And especially when when a lot of these races are kind of on a on a Saturday and a Sunday you've got a lot of time in between to kind of keep your weight down and to keep keep fit it's not like abroad where you you could be riding three or four days a week and oh, I got you. Yeah. Um, so when you're only racing once or twice a week it becomes more of a mental thing where you've got to keep in shape to force yourself to do it because you could quite easily relax for for the week and then turn up on a Saturday and Sunday and be blowing quite heavily. (laughs) We talked about your first job with George Baker in England. He manages to come to the Iroquois every year. Is it nice to get reacquainted with him and say hello? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think he was a bit shocked to see me a couple of years ago. Yeah, Yeah, I think I was doing, I think I I was doing 130 my weight for, I had a a mare in the filly in, in the stakes race. So I was, I wasn't completely all there i was i was wasting so i i felt like i i probably could have made better conversation um, yeah i think that's the year he asked me yeah, yeah. who's the michael i know i got michael mitchell so it's probably the same guy you gotta <laughs> no. go check yeah. <laughs> no it's and it's great because you you realize when when you've traveled so far like how many people you've met and then somewhere two three years later by association they know 
someone from this country and it's a lovely community to be a part of and it's a very small world when you start looking at it and once you start traveling and it's always enjoyable to see people that knew you five years ago or 10 years ago and see how they've changed and no and all connected to the horse which is the best part yeah yeah Yeah. the horse connects everybody all over the world yeah any advice say somebody wants comes to you a teenager wants to be a jump jackie what would you tell him or her i'd say get the basics right first i'd say like you you really have to to work hard and you don't have to necessarily take in everything everyone says but at least listen i think listening and kind of finding what works for you adapting your style your work ethic and where you enjoy to work because a lot of places you you may have reached what you can learn and and want to move on and if that's what you feel like you need to do I'd say it's worth it. You can. There's plenty of opportunities and plenty of people out there that need the riders and need the workers. And I'd say just don't be scared and, and dive in. Get, yeah, get dive the plane in. ticket to Australia. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, or America. Yeah. Or America, yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've ridden races England, Australia, New Zealand, America. Seen the French operation up close what would you tell american steeplechasing how can it take a next step how can it become a little better a little bigger a little better yeah i think probably keeping it just simple to start off with i think once you get the basics right i think everything else falls into play i'd have a few ideas that i'd love to see happen i know now that the live streaming's up it makes it so much more accessible to an international audience but one thing that you used to do in new zealand was have just a, a quick result, once the, the race was made official, um, they'd post on their website the first three, four finishers. Because even even people back at the barns may not be able to hear the loudspeaker. I thought it was, it was always a, a quick reference point before they moved on and go to the next race. Everyone knew who's finished first, second and third, fourth. Mm-hmm. Other things, maybe um, showing the colours in the entries and the overnights. Because a lot of people reading it from an audience they they can see the name but sometimes they can't hear the the horse on the on the commentary and they can now they've got the live streaming in play they can they can see the colors they can yeah they we're can, much they closer to kind out. of a reality with some of this stuff you yeah know? like i mean it wasn't it seems crazy to think that the live stream even if it's not perfect we've come so far i mean it yeah. was impossible to know anything before you know and now you can find out you know which is yeah uh, it's tough to keep that in mind because you want to go, yeah, you want it to look like an English race card or an Irish race card or, you know, or yeah. that kind of programming, but it's all incremental steps. You know? Yeah. And but I think it's, it's progressing in the right direction. Yeah. And I think once everything's in line and people start to, to get on board and I think it should be, yeah. it should be anything going, to, going any, well. to me, it's anything to connect the people who are at the races to the races a little bit. Obviously it's a, it's a great day out and it's a party and a picnic and we don't have that many people who follow the sport week to week, but yeah, anything we can do to make that a little easier has got to yeah. help. Well, I know? think once you get the people there, the, the horses do the rest yeah. it's, it's great entertainment for everybody. For sure. For yeah. sure. How about you? You are 26? Uh, 28. 28. Yeah. Okay. Ha- wow. All right. Uh, how long do you see yourself doing this and what's next? Is there, is there some other world you want to conquer? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I, well, I'd love to, I'd actually, I'd been trying for years to go to Japan. I'd, I'd love to race in Japan in the off season or, or yeah, something. Yeah, it actually sets but, up a little bit to kind of do yeah, it during our off season. Yeah. It? yeah, yeah. Um, but other, other than that, my family's sheep and potato farmers. Okay. So I'd, I'd probably once, once the racing career falls away and i'd i'd quite like to to probably go home and work on the farm and 
have a bit of a, a change of pace. Nice. But I've, I, hopefully, I've got plenty of years left in me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, you can have a point-to-pointer or two in the barn with the sheep, maybe, That's right? it, yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Things cool off a little bit in our season now, but you'll be plenty busy, right, as you yeah. head to Mammoth and yeah, Saratoga no. on? Yeah, now they've put the, the races on at uh, the two flat races at Parks as well. It, it reduces that time off. So, yeah, we've we've got horses in and, yeah, we're working as as hard as ever so yeah. no it's brilliant yeah the fisher barn is pretty familiar to people but who's coming back this summer that people can watch i know moscato and scorpions are going to wait till fall it sounds like yeah i i think so jack's pretty pretty he doesn't tell me of, so yeah we're gonna, so yeah. We're, he's pretty closed <laughs> off about those things to me as well i'll find out the week before but we've got quite a nice lot of maidens i think some of you've seen have a few runs already and i, I think they're only going to progress and i think they'll continue into now that colonial downs has opened up i think there's plenty of opportunities for maidens to run there and from what i've heard i've never raced there but i've heard the tracks beautiful and yeah. the turf's, turf's very turf nice yeah, yeah. yeah so i look forward to going down there and, and seeing what our maidens can do yeah and that fuels the whole thing to me I, i'm always like the more the more maiden races we have the more it just helps everything down the line it pushes yeah. the more winners you push out the, the better the allowance yeah. races the novice races and on every yeah. every step it makes and it they've, they've been really good field sizes all through the spring so and competitive races Mm -hmm. so it's brilliant to see yeah it's good for the game for sure well thank you very much and we'll see at some of those places for sure and hopefully it all keeps going i guess one last question an american jockey championship on top of an australian one what would that mean we're, I know we're only halfway through. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, don't I, count it. I, I'd, I'd say we'd be counting your chickens if we're, we're, <laughs> we're saying it's over and over by now. It's I'd only be thinking about Monmouth and, and on to the next one. So, yeah, I'm not thinking that far ahead just right. yet. Yeah, it's that kind of game. It, yeah. It's certainly one. That, that, that's an unfair question by me, but it's the yeah. kind of it's the kind we got to ask. To see the spring you guys have had, but Jack as well and you, is impressive. Obviously, the horses are running well, but the work that went into it and the timing and everything is just it's all come together which yeah. is fun to see no, for it's sure. been it's been fun so far yeah keep it rolling yeah. all right well awesome thanks for your time and uh we'll see you down the road at one of these stops cheers thank you right. thanks for joining us for another edition of jumping around our guest today was jump jackie michael mitchell who will be in action this summer at monmouth park parks racing saratoga and colonial downs special thanks to sponsor brown advisory howling wolf recording studio in baltimore and the temple guatemi steeplechase foundation you can find more podcasts like this at thisishorseracing.com or by searching This Is Horse Racing on your podcast app. From Tennessee to Maryland and Ascot to Cheltenham, Brown Advisory supports the hard work, dedication, and love for competition that defines the horse racing spirit. Brown Advisory has cheered from stables and fence lines since its founding in 1993 and is excited to share this passion through the sponsorship of this podcast and races across the U.S. and U.K. Visit brownadvisory.com to see how they can help you achieve your financial goals.